This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. From Christianity Today, this is The Art of Pastoring. I'm Jared Wilson. And I'm Ronnie Martin. Guide me, O Thou Great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. Hey, today we're going to discuss a topic that we are calling unsexy ministry, Jared C. Wilson. I I mean, there was probably a time we we wouldn't have been allowed to use that word to describe our, uh, our podcast topic, but today is a new day and we're using it. Right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, hopefully, this doesn't need to come with a content warning or, or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, un- unsexy content, an unsexy ministry. Right, unsexy content for an uh, for an unsexy ministry. This thing's just coming off the rails already. But this is how we're beginning <laughs> episode four of uh, of Art of Pastoring. Hey, and I do want to thank everybody that's been subscribing and listening and really supporting us. It's been really encouraging as we're just really kicking this whole thing off. It's been encouraging to me, at least. So yeah, so welcome to our, what we just called the Mr. Rogers of Pastoral Podcasts, right? You just coined that a minute ago, Jared. I think so. I was thinking about it earlier today as I was driving around. I was anticipating our recording session today. And I just thought, you know, we we, we both do, you know, other work, other podcasts even. But this feels a little mellow. You use the word mellow. Yeah, and this morning, as I was, uh, you know, thinking about it, I was thinking about the experience of watching Mister Rogers with my kids when they were little. Yeah, and there's something about the pacing, that you know, the the takes are very long. He's doing yes. lo- there's not quick cuts about things, even when he's doing those video segments, right? You know how they make crayons or you yeah. know things like that, and it's just these long shots without even dialogue. There's just you know there's a soundtrack, there's music playing. And it's the assembly line thing or the conveyor yes. belt, you know. But he comes in and he ch- changes his sweater and he puts on his shoes and he feeds the fish. And all of that is just so – it's all designed to kind of counteract the the busyness, even as children's television, you know, oh, began man. to change with Sesame Street and Nickelodeon and everything. And so I, I, I was thinking about our own thing, man, this, this, this unsexy thing called the art of pastoring. <laughs> we want to slow down. We just want to be an encouragement. Long takes, just uh, it's not a long podcast, but you know we just kind of dwell yeah. in one subject and and camp out. And so, yeah, I wouldn't mind being the Mister Rogers of of podcasts. I have no problem with that, given that the other <laughs> podcast I'm on, the Happy Rant, would be the least Mister Rogers of podcasts. <laughs> right. There's nobody wearing and cardigans the, listening to that yeah, thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But spe- but speaking of and transitioning into a the unsexy podcast that is the art of pastoring, we are going to be talking about unsexy ministry for pastors. What does it look like uh, for pastors who are engaging, and we all engage as pastors in what we would say are the unsexy aspects of ministry, interestingly enough. So what what would be the first thing that comes to mind, man, when you think of unsexy ministry? What do you think of when we talk about that? Yeah, I think of reality setting in, because I think mm. we all have the idea in our head, and I don't know if anyone had a preconceived notion, you know, looking at the title for this thing, Unsexy Ministry, 
you know, what they were thinking of necessarily. But I just tend to think of all the highlights, yeah, all the fun stuff. So, you know, there can be times, of course, where, you know, ministry is comfortable and it's exciting and it's successful. But th- those are either few and far between or they're just kind of the the cream on top of the real stuff, you know, the real the, totally. the real daily routine. And so I, I think I just think of, you know, getting beyond the honeymoon phase or the appearance, the the initial attraction to ministry. I think of, you know, every young guy that I come in contact with. Well, not every, but a lot of young guys I come in contact with in the seminary world. And a lot of them want to preach and they want to lead, right? They yeah. want to build something or they, or they want to be in front of people talking. And those are important aspects of of ministry for sure of, of of pastoring, but very few of them say anything like "I just love people" and I want to be up in people's broken marriages, <laughs> right? I want to be at the I want to be in in the hospice care room, you know. I want to mm-hmm. be man. I can't wait to preach funerals like like that. Mm. None of that. It's the unsexy stuff. Never that's seems the to real pop stuff, out of, isn't it? I mean, that's never pops out of anybody's mouth, does it? No, no, but that's the the main marrow of ministry, isn't it? Yeah, which is really strange too, because I think anybody that has you know spent time outside of say a seminary setting, so whether it's a pastor doing a residency or he has a mentor that's an older pastor and he's able to maybe follow him around or just experience some of sort of the day in and day out grind of what becomes ministry, it's strange, I I think it's strange at least, that there does seem to be this sort of expectation for a lot of younger guys when they're coming into the role where they do think it's going to be, man, they're just sort of, they're they're sort of envisioning themselves or dreaming about all of the, uh, all the the wise sage words that they get to communicate to their congregations. And it's really just going to be this more of this public performance platform oriented ministry when in reality it, it the majority of it is spending that time with your people right yeah you know think of um you know i don't know if you do this but i, I imagine you you do or did when maybe you were younger you're watching a boxing movie or an action movie or a martial arts movie and in your head right you're mimicking yeah. or you're like man i'm doing i'm doing i'm chuck norris or i'm you know, or you're watching a, you know, you're watching a fight. Like, man, I'm I'm Mike Tyson, and maybe you're even kind of acting out some of the some of the yeah. moves. You know, I remember coming out of the Karate Kid when I was a kid. Uh, I think I was eighty six, maybe it was eighty four. So I was probably 84. like nine. I was like 84. nine or ten years old, and coming out of that, and man, I'm karate chopping every sign, every car <laughs> in the parking lot. You know, <laughs> I I picture young pastors who haven't quite gotten into it. That's like they see what's visible. The preaching, the leading, the platform, the being yes. in front, and they're like, man, yeah, cry. I mean, they're just they're 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 doing those moves. They got those karate yes. chopping, you know. This is why we need video for this thing because hey, I really do. I'm I doing know. karate chops right now, and audio people just cannot see. <laughs> I can see it, and it, and it looks great. It, it, well, it, it, does, it doesn't. It, it looks unsexy. I, prom- I promise. It looks. You that. It looks like yellow belt or whatever, man. <laughs> you know, you're right. like you're you're up to that level. That's good. It, it's sure. beyond. It's beyond white belt. But I remember Mike Tyson saying, I think it's Mike Tyson who said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Same deal, man. We're doing the moves, man. I can I can karate chop this. I can beat up that guy. Same deal with ministry until you're in it and you get punched in the mouth. <laughs> and totally. all the moves, all of your planning, that to me is the uh, is the essence of the unsexy thing is you see what's visible 
and you're just like, man, I can't wait to get going. I'm going to build something awesome. Yeah, I'm going to have a following. I'm going to have a platform. I'm going to have them, you know, amen and cheering and everything else. And that first time you get punched in the mouth, yeah, that's when it gets real. I wonder too, it's interesting you say that because it, obviously we're showing our age right now, having grown up in the <laughs> 80s. But, but I mean, now, now that Cobra Kai is out, we can use Karate Kid illustrations. Of there you like, go. Like their app now, their, their apropos. But um, you even think about like everybody wants to be in the All Valley tournament, but nobody, everybody ignores the parts where he's working tirelessly for Mr. Oh, yes. Miyagi. You know what I mean? And I think about even, you know, some of the unsexy aspects of ministry, and you've you've kind of called out preaching a couple times because that's really the main thing that most pastors really are generally thinking of when they're going into that role. And you just even some of the mundaneness of oh my gosh, I've been working on this sermon for. 21 hours this week and I still don't really have anything and I'm frustrated and I don't know if I'm going to have any content and I don't know what to say and I don't and I don't and I don't and there is even this you know besides just getting punched in the face in terms of some of the negativity that like comes through ministry which is really all about giving yourself away to people there's a discouragement in the the mundane the mundanity is if that's not a word I'm just going to I'm just going to coin it right now. I don't now. think it is. I'm going to go with mundanity. I like okay. that. But okay. the mundanity of just that, that those things I think that nobody sees, those moments spent in the coffee shop or in the home office or just the all these places where your mind is working in overdrive to come up with content that nobody sees you struggling to get to, that you have the pressure of having to deliver. And I just I think all of those types of moments contribute to something that can turn into a particular kind of disillusionment for guys pretty quickly if they're really not prepared for what it is that they're being dealt. Yeah, you find out what you're made of in those moments. Because even Mm -hmm. the image of that, right, we're we're both writers as well. There's something sexy about, for us, there's something that that kind of, you know, fires the cylinders when we think about, man, sitting in the coffee shop all day, you know, writing, I've got my coffee, I've got my, you know, music playing, and I just get to write. And it's, you know, artistry and creativity. I think even preachers can think that way. But then you get there. Yeah. And man, it's it's work. You actually have to, you have to, you actually have to produce. And, yes. you know, you think, well, it'd be easier just to jump on Twitter, see what people are saying and, you know, get into, you know, debate there or, uh, you know, yeah. come up with a few sentences of things. But, you know, when you're thinking about preaching in particular, You've got the image of presenting or, or proclaiming and the response there may be. But Monday morning, like you start all over again. Yeah. And I think that I think that's what kind of to your point in terms of just this mundane, the routine, you find out as the thing as as the gloss wears off. Yeah. The unsexiness kind of peeks through. You find out what you're really made of. Am I in this? to put the work in? Am I in this to, to do the unsexy stuff or am I just here to perform, to get up, to embrace the image? You know, it's funny because we, we have that, you know, in our particular cultural moment with pastoring, you know, we certainly are in this really weirdo spot, right? Where we have celebrity pastors, we have conferences, we have, we have all of these sort of like visuals where we can look at these guys that are getting kind of the acclaim and the applause and yet they still, they still are putting in like a measure of work, even, even though they're being put in places where the spotlight is going to shine a little brighter on them. I mean, has that, 
Is there something in the life of a pastor where even coming out of seminary or like I said earlier, even having that, those moments in like a, in a, you know, an associate pastor role or in a residency, or is there coming up through ministry where just seeing all of these other men who are spotlighted, does it, does it just do something to their mind in thinking that when they get up into like, let's just say like a lead pastor role or a more regular teaching role that that's not going to apply to them? Yeah, again, I think it has a lot to do with what we see versus what we don't see. For the same reason, you know, we see, you know, athletes play on on the weekends and we're not seeing the Monday through Friday that they're in the gym. We're not seeing them at mealtime eating stuff that we wouldn't eat. The meticulous, rigorous care they take of their body, the absolute unsexy stuff that they're putting in every single day to have those results on in the moments that we get to see. Yeah. And I think the same is true for ministry. We aspire to the things that we see that are publicly celebrated and for either forget or just aren't aware of um or or just aren't prepared for that Monday to Friday stuff that leads up to the Sunday. This episode is brought to you by Church Salary. Coming up with a reasonable salary range for church staff has never been easy. There are so many details to consider before setting compensation for church staff, and you're probably asking yourself questions like, are we paying too little or too much? What benefits do we offer employees? What's a reasonable housing allowance? Church Salary believes that offering competitive and fair compensation helps keep people in ministry. Using the expansive, church-specific compensation database and powerful salary calculator tool, you can also make better compensation decisions so your staff can focus on their ministries. Start with Church Salary's annual membership today to run unlimited customized reports and get access to our member-only content. Ready to start making better compensation decisions? Get started at churchsalary.com. What was the moment or a moment where, man, it's just real and and not necessarily negativity from somebody, or, or maybe that was it as well, but it's just like, oh, I actually have to work at this. This isn't just yeah. the Sunday. I don't just get to get up and talk in front of people. This is actually something I've got to, you know, sweat over and, and you know, get calluses over. I, you know, it was a star, it was kind of a stark moment of realization for me. I remember it was it was sort of the, um, the the layers being peeled back for me. I remember when I was first kind of finally it was right before I went on staff at a church, but they were using me for all kinds of work as it sort of happens before they they decided to give you a, give you some money, you know. So I, I just remember being around pastors and just having this particular kind of a particular vision and view of who they were. And then I remember just spending some time with them as I was kind of finding my feet into this world, in this world of ministry. And I remember hearing, seeing what they were going through, hearing how they expressed themselves as they were going through some of these things. And I remember there, there was a particular kind of disillusionment that kind of like settled on me, which was like, wait a minute, these are just dudes and they, they have the same reactions towards things that, that I do, and maybe slightly more sanctified at times, certainly way less sanctified at times. <laughs> but they're also burdened in a, like, 
a, a way that really like felt unique to me because I was, you know, I was doing both. I'm working a blue collar job and I'm, I'm doing ministry part time and I'm seeing these guys and I'm thinking, why are these guys so worn out? Why are they so mentally exhausted all the time? And so my first, you know, sort of feet into that was really just kind of the curtain being pulled back and going, oh, so this, this idea of, of ministering to people's needs, you know, in a job where you really are never off the clock is something that is just, it's mentally and physically, it's so demanding. And I didn't understand it until I saw it. And then I understood it even further when I finally was able to put both feet in and go and just, you know, kind of be in the environment for not very long and go, okay, I have never been this tired. I've never been this exhausted. I've never maybe been this discouraged in my life. And I used to work, you know, with my hands and more blue collar where, you know, you get the app to the end of the day and you're dirty and you're, you know, you're worn out, but it's kind of a good feeling too. But this was something entirely different. And it was kind of being able to see everybody off the platform and what they were facing in a way that just caused them to say, God, I just need help because yeah. I don't, I can't do this, you know? Yeah. It's good when it happens early, doesn't it? When it's, when you're able to get that gloss off. Totally. You know, I, I, I think of guys who, you know, their first role is in some mega church with all kinds of money oh, and they're, there's tiers of staff organized in such a way that you don't really have to get your hands dirty too much. Yeah, for And then sure. it's, it's later when they move on to some other role and they've been trained for ministry in this kind of illusion <laughs> of ministry or in this facade of ministry. It can be so damaging, yeah. What, what about for you? What was it? What was there like a particular moment for you and all of it? Yeah, I think it was the experience. Like, like I go pretty, you know, somewhat far back in, in, a, in a very early ministry position it was a church plant where I was doing, you know, directing student ministry, and it was a Willow Creek model church plant. Okay. So we were trying to do seeker church stuff. This was in Houston, Texas, and very dear friend of mine who was the, the the you know planting pastor there, kind of my first mentor in the ministry, really. And we went to Willow Creek in 90, 96 for the leadership conference back when it was more explicitly, f you know, simply for churches, like do church like us kind of thing. Right. And you talk about sexy. So you like, you walk into the mothership, like if you're trying to do <laughs> yeah. attractional ministry back then, Willow Creek or Saddleback were the deal. Like that, that was it. You, you oh, know, it was, it, it was yeah. one of those two. So you walk into this thing, it's like a shopping mall meets the Starship Enterprise and they've got a food court <laughs> and, you know, and you take all these workshops and it's basically do these things at, to be like us. And then we go back home, and there's 70 people showing up on a Sunday morning. Yeah. And I, I, this was one of three jobs that I had at that time, in addition to going to school. And, and so I was exhausted, you know, all the time. And I remember going, we officed in, you know, because we met in a school. Yeah. We had, like a lot of churches did and still do. And so we had this rented office space where I had this cubicle in the in the front little reception area of this like two room office complex thing, sexy and, uh, and exactly. And I remember just walking in and, and then just thinking, you know, you've got the the visions of Willow Creek in your head <laughs> and the pragmatic formula. If if we if we build it, they will come. Oh my gosh! And yes. I think just early on, it was helpful. You know, my transition out of that ministry philosophy didn't come for a long while after that. So I yeah. still was pretty bought into the pragmatism stuff. But I think early on, 
I was able to kind of have some of the the field of dream stuff kind of knocked out of me just by reality of hey you, you actually got to do the work and yeah. you know you actually got to build something here you actually have to show up to an unsexy place where there's no secretary and there's no yeah uh, there's nobody you know kissing your butt or anything you you actually have to come in day in and day out and and do the work that's the earliest you know, that I can think of. I'm guessing in your experience too, especially being at the seminary and then me working, you know, with my network and uh, the denomination I'm with, it's, so you work with a lot of younger pastors and, or you work with pastors that have been around for a while. And like what we're describing really is the majority of pastors. So this mod, this attractional, this larger church model, it's, it's like, it's minority model. Yes. And that's what's strange about it is like, so some people that get into this particular place with 75 people, I mean, that is the place. That is the no administrative assistant, I'm going to be wearing all the hats place that is going to exist for them forever, as long as they're in that place, most likely. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, like, you know, even, you know, my most recent pastorate after, you know, I'd been in ministry a long time and I'm the lead pastor and I'm picking up you know, bulletins out of the pews on, on Monday, you know, that, that got left behind. I'm making my own copies and I'm setting up chairs and none of that's terrible stuff to do. And it's not difficult work, Yeah, but it's just those little opportunities. What, what unsexy ministry is, 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 is really the opportunity to show faithfulness, to show, you know, faithfulness in the, in the small things. Right. Yeah, um, no, for and, sure. And the gospel speaks to that, doesn't it? I mean, the gospel is not just there for our bright and shining moments, but for those moments where we think, man, I, I really thought I'd be beyond this, or, you know, I'm tempted to think I'm better than this, or I'm just begrudging, yeah. you know, I'm begrudging the time I've got to put into this. Well, and I think spiritual maturity, it kind of, it, it leads you to this, or it, it grows you into a place where you realize that I just ministry is generally unsexy. I, it's funny when we look at the life of Jesus and everything we're describing seems to, he seems to embody. I, I don't know if I should use the word unsexy and Jesus in the same sentence. I, you know, it feels funny, <laughs> but um, just in terms of just when you, when you read the four gospels and you see like how he led and you see where he led his disciples and the people that he was leaning into, there was just a constancy of, always removing himself from those things, which again, we, we're so drawn to because we feel like, man, this is going to give us some level of like affirmation. It's going to give us some level of realizing, you know, our, our hopes and dreams. And he just leaned into the most self-sacrificial parts of ministry that if I'm being honest, th those are the things where you, they're, they're unavoidable, but you, you can get good at trying to avoid them, or you can fall into patterns or habits of just saying, hey, I'm going to keep a safe distance from those things that require me to have to, um, or to, to put myself in the potential and the risk of, of being hurt and being disillusioned and being in uncomfortable and awkward situations. Jesus just, it was like, give me all of that. That is what, that is what I'm most drawn to. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's so different than how we think or, what, or how we're, what we're moved by, right? Yeah, I mean, if you think of like the dream, the dream job or the dream ministry, and some people have it, which is I think you know makes it even more tantalizing. Is there are some people who reach this, yeah, and they're able to build the thing in such a way, or or, or, or the thing grows in such a way that they're able, as you said, to, to begin distancing themselves and insulating themselves, so, you know, isolating themselves from 
from the mess of real ministry, from things that would be more emotionally taxing. And so you think of like, you know, the the sexy title is, you know, pastor of, of preaching and vision, yeah. right? So, I mean, imagine if all you had to do was come up with something to say on Sunday and, and see things. That's like all you got to do, Pre- <laughs> preach and have vision. I love right? how you, I love how you define vision. Seeing <laughs> That's right. Things. Well, yeah, you see things. You know, oh, I see where I want to be. But then everybody else has to, you know, gets their hands dirty trying to get there. You just got to say where it is. I know I'm stereotyping and I'm, I'm care, you know, I'm doing a caricature here, but that vision book's not coming anytime soon, is it? We're not, (laughs) no, but that's the sexy title, isn't it? Like if I could just do what I want to do, it would be to preach and basically tell people what to do or, or, you know, see things, you know, see where I want to go, see where we ought to be. There's no risk in it. Yeah, there's, there's no very, risk very and there's risk no it, yeah. there's no relational heavy lifting yes. in it usually. Yeah. There's 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 nothing emotionally um, taxing usually in it. And I think it's contrary to you know Peter's words for instance to pastors in 1 Peter 5 where he says shepherd the flock of God that is among you. And just even the whole flavor of ministry in that chapter. Yeah. I mean, he's speaking to elders is basically after you've suffered a little while, right? I mean, that's his characterization. Right. If you're looking for the unsexy ministry text, <laughs> apart from every other text in the Bible, there's Peter in First Peter 5 saying to elders, after you've suffered a little while, right. the Lord himself will establish you. So After it's been bad, because it's going to be bad. Right. You know, yeah. right. This is what you should expect. Yes. The, yeah. the getting punched in the face is ministry. So here we are, man. We It's 2020. Gosh, that's the last thing that needs to, people need to be reminded of is COVID <laughs> and 2020. And I mean, if any if any year has sort of revealed ministry to pastors as being the most unsexy vocation ever in existence, it's it's this year. And I wonder what what we could say to our fellow brothers who are just feeling like, gosh, I mean, I, I already I already knew what this job was about, but I had no idea. Uh, when 2020 hit, what it was, what it was going to form into at an even deeper level. That's made this, that's that's made it so difficult. What what do we have to say to these brothers right now? Yeah, I think my first word of encouragement would be, and and this may sound odd, but but you're not alone. And and by that I don't mean, yeah, that you know the Lord is with you. He he is, but that's not what I mean. You know, you're never alone because the Lord is with you. But you, you mentioned it earlier, right? This is the normative way of ministry. There's nothing, you're not being yeah. picked on by God. This isn't strange and peculiar as it pertains to ministry. The The opportunities for the quote-unquote sexy kind of ministry is so rare and such rarefied air that what you are dealing with in your boring office with the mundane tasks that you have to you know go through with the routines that just seem to pile up that that's the brotherhood that's the fraternity that just about everybody else is in so yeah. it's it's not a cause for you know it's not a cause for self-pity yeah or 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 to think that you're yeah you know you know being especially singled out for something that's out of the ordinary gosh yeah. everyone else has it better no we're really all in the same in the same field we may be plowing you know you know different you know in different lanes but we're we're in the same field how about you? What would you say to the the COVID pastor right now? Yeah, gosh, there's so many things to say. I think I would say that 
2020 was the year that God has been preparing you for, you know, and I think just understanding that none of this, this was ordained by Jesus, who is sweet and compassionate to us. We can just have so much hope and confidence that everything we're experiencing and everything we're going through today is there to prepare us for what lies ahead. And I think we're, we're experiencing things we've never experienced before because Jesus wants our hearts to be more drawn in neediness and toward him. And I, it, it's, it's just not fun going through it. And I think when you talk to pastors right now, everybody is just exhaling and they're fearful about what's coming next. And 2021 feels very uncertain for a lot of our, a lot of our brothers right now. So I think the encouragement um, is that we press in deeper to the Lord, press deeper into prayer, and we're okay with pausing on some things and trusting that the Lord is with us in the pause and he's actually ordaining the pause. That's awesome, brother. I'm Jared Wilson. I've been speaking with Ronnie Martin. Thanks for joining us today on the Art of Pastoring podcast. Open now the crystal fountain Whence the healing waters flow Let the fiery cloudy pillar Lead me on my journey through If you're liking the show, please take a minute and give us a rating and review in iTunes. It helps other people find us. You can find Ronnie and me on Twitter at, at Ronnie J. Martin and at Jared C. Wilson. Feel free to hit us up with questions and potential topics for the show. We'd love to hear from you. The Art of Pastoring is a production of Christianity Today. It's produced by Mike Cosper, editing by Mike Cosper and Aaron Leslie, mixing by Aaron Leslie. Our theme song is Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah by Jeremy Casella.